Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is scheduled for one network and is your main event. Welcome to the first episode of Hitting the Mat, the podcast. I'm your host, The Kilowatt, introducing my co-host, the maestro, Anderson Scott. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you doing? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to get this rolling. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for the first episode, man. This is going to be awesome. So what this is, is Hitting the Mat has been a thing but now it's found its true home here on the High Tension Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, <clears throat> so we're, we're excited to have you co-hosting with us. You are also, along with myself, the co-owner of High Tension Wrestling, whose debut show is postponed, sadly, due to the coronavirus, uh, which I really don't want to talk too much about. But yeah, it's it's an unfortunate thing. But I think you know, with everything that's going on, it's best for best for everybody. You know, indeed. So let's talk a little bit about what this show is about. Uh, it's about wrestlers, uh, but more so about the person behind the wrestler, who they are, how they became a wrestler, what inspired them. And, uh, you know, what, what's, what do they got going on and what do they have going down the road? That's kind of what I want to find out. I want to find out about the person behind the character. And our first character is none other than King Leon VI himself. How you doing, buddy? Hello, hello, hello. I'm doing pretty good. Um, <clears throat> obviously, uh... A little, you know, a little frazzled by everything going on in the world myself. But again, like you just said, we are not going to talk much about that. So I'm going to leave it at that. It's a lot, but um, not not too bad considering. I mean, everyone's healthy and everyone's safe. So that's really all I can ask for. Okay, cool, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad to have you here, honestly. And if I can say this without sounding too unprofessional as a booker myself, you as a character are absolutely... It's probably unprofessional for me to say my favorite wrestler, but <laughs> if from a fan's perspective, you may not be the reason I came to the show, but you're the reason I come back to the show. Well, that's honestly really cool to know. Um, I'll tell you, man, like character wise, it becomes a, you know, there's so much that goes into character, which I'm sure everyone, especially in the wrestling industry, more than know. Um, especially if you are a character, even the people that aren't characters understand the fact that characters are, you know, there's a lot of work, a lot of work that gets put into it. Um, you know, a lot of nights of creativity that you have to say, you have to write, you have to think. And it's just like, sometimes you got to go outside the box as cliche as that sounds like you got to pretty much throw the damn box out and hope for the best. And, um, one thing I will say, I would like to correct you on one thing real quick. There's no longer the six that is just King Leon, the black blade. Correct. Leave that at that. 
Yes, that's something we're definitely going to get into. Okay, cool. Like the mm-hmm. evolution of your character. Um, yes, yes. Which is something not a lot of people do, and you put a lot of real thought into this. Um, Unfortunately, too much. <laughs> taking taking a lot of time, man. But I do I do appreciate the uh, you know the compliments, and uh, I really that very very kind of you. Um, I know uh, me and you. Uh, we'll, we'll go we'll go through our history as we talk some more. But I mean, I know it's not a lot, but it's still there. We have some. So indeed, indeed, yeah. We'll definitely get more into your character a little later. Um, Absolutely. But as as a person, like, what were you like growing up? Like, what was it kind of that brought you to be who you are today? What were you like as a kid? Uh, you know, man, I've always been, uh, believe it or not, like, so I've always had a big, uh, big personality. But a lot of the time, especially being a kid, up until probably, I like to say, about eighth grade, I was super shy. You wouldn't think so for the people that know me. I'm probably one of the most loud, rambunctious people most people meet now. But, uh... And up until that point in my life, even high school time, I was so quiet. I had the same like two or three friends. I was shy as hell. I was, it was something else. I'm literally, I'm literally a 180, uh, a mirror, a mirror to uh, what I was. And um, I don't know. I just, I've always had a big personality and I've always wanted to do something cool, but I, I never had the, uh, I never had the confidence to do it until I got older. And uh, then when I finally got older, I'm like, you know what? I mean, it can't hurt. Um, to do what I love to do. Like I started, uh, Jesus, I played music for years, uh, you know, learned guitar, sang, uh, kind of thing, you know, played in bands, went up and down the East coast, of my bands. Uh, it's just been, man, it's, yeah, it's, I've always been, uh, since I can remember at least the late teenage years, like in front of light in one way or another entertainment, whether it comes to bartending or serving, like I've, I've never not worked with people. Um, but being a kid definitely helped mold that because, uh, I realized I don't want to be that same kid that I was the shy little, you know, fat kid from Massachusetts. And, um, that's, I'm just the, you know, the loud fat adult from Massachusetts. So that's kind of where I'm, uh, where I'm sticking at it and, uh, hoping for the best. So, but yeah, um, That was me as a kid. Me as a kid was super shy and always wanted to be, you know, the wrestler and the this and the that. Got so many stitches as a kid, it's not even funny from wrestling. <laughs> Would you say that there was, like, any one event that took you from being, like, the shy kid to being more of an extrovert? For me... Oh, my God, yes. Like, I I'm know... Sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, it was, for, for me, it was, I know, 11th grade. I, I, before that, I was super shy. But then I joined okay. theater while pursuing a girl who was in the theater program. And then I fell in love with theater and became a total extrovert. So was there any, like, moment for you that, like, flicked the switch? Oh, actually, yes. I can think of it literally uh, immediately. Um, it was in seventh, no, eighth grade. It was in the, it was in the beginning of eighth grade I had moved to uh, a place called New Bedford, which is in Massachusetts. Um, it wasn't so far from my other school or anything. It was, like, a, probably like a half hour or so. But obviously, I had to change school systems. I had to go meet a whole bunch of new people. Um, and I remember sitting in class being, you know, that shy, the shy kid. And I mean, at this time in New Bedford, the demographic truthfully was, uh, it was like nine to one when it came to like, there were more colored and ethnic uh, people than there were white people. So obviously it was definitely, it was, uh, you know, a little bit of a culture shock as well for me in that sense of being a kid, you know, you don't really know how to deal with that. Yeah, um, in any case, but, uh, either way, so there was one day. Where uh, this one kid, he was just, he always, always always messing with me, and I was never a small kid, so I was always surprised that he picked on picked on me. But picking on me, picking on me, and at, the, at one point I was like, you know what, I gotta stand up for my damn self. So there was one day I just was not having a good day, and uh, I don't know, probably freaking was playing with authority and 
got my freaking computer taken away and whatever. And uh, went into school and the kid just was giving me shit. And uh, I literally just knocked him out like in the middle of the freaking hallway. And uh, he was like, he was a big boy too. So I like just one punch, knocked the kid out. And uh, after that, no one messed with me. And it just turned me into this kid. I'm like, oh, well, I can do this. <laughs> around, you know, I kind of had that feeling. I'm like, well, apparently uh, no one's going to say any differently. And I just started getting more social. People were talking to me more, obviously, because of, you know, I just freaking knocked out this freaking, this kid. Um, but that's just, that's junior high. And uh, after that, I was like, wow. Okay. So apparently uh, it can be cool. <laughs> kind of turned into that. And uh, it never stopped. And it just got worse as the years went. <laughs> I was say, I'm making quite a statement, you know. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> knocking that kid out. <laughs> well, that's what, that, that's what you need to do. If there's any kids listening, don't go out and knock people out. But, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you, you got to, you know, if, if you got to stand up for yourself, stand up for yourself. Don't do it a dumb way. Use your fist. Knock, knock a dude out. Take a tooth. It doesn't matter. You know, take something for a spoil of war or whatever, but be smart about it. <laughs> so, when, when you started to come out of your shell is that when you kind of discovered like music and art or how did that happen? yeah yeah um actually so so after eighth grade and everything you know i'd uh i'd start getting gotten a lot more friends like everyone started to know me and really liked me i was i started to come out of my shell and i was one of the funny guys and i was one of those kind of kids and uh come ninth grade uh, i went to brockton high school and it's funny you spoke about uh doing theater because i did theater for a couple of years in high school as well um, and it started freshman year and, uh, I was with my buddies, uh, Kenny say, and I forget the other guy's name, honestly, it's been that long, but there was like, we were like the freaking unholy trio. And like, if you wanted comedy, you went through us and like, it was just insane. Like we just, we were the funny kids, you know what I mean? Like, and it was, we did like whose line is it anyway weekends where we had like hundreds of people come to like, watch us do it. It was amazing. And I just, after I got the taste of a spotlight, I never wanted to go back. Like, that's just literally how it was. So every time I looked to do something, I was like, what kind of crowd's going to make out of this? You know, like, what can I, what can I get out of this? Like, because I mean, I, you know, I, everyone's got an ego and I'm not going to sit here and say I'm egotistical, but obviously sometimes you got to feed that part of your brain that says, get some attention. You know, that's anybody. And, uh, and that's just, sometimes it's just a little more than, than not for me, if I'm being quite honest with you. So. Yeah, no, I mean, we all have it. It's just a matter of being arrogant or not about it. So, correct, correct. Uh, yeah, man. So, like, what, what kind of uh, music are you into? Like, what, what really kind of floats your boat? Because I see you get on a, a Facebook Live and do some cool little concerts there sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I got a, I've got a pretty eclectic taste. I, I listen to sheer god pretty much honestly pretty much anything uh, except for country i hate country honestly i really do <laughs> everyone like all these country girls i'm like it's so messed up so i have a girlfriend now but uh and this is a little little side story but right i was on tinder for the longest time just like i'm sure everyone else was and oh, uh yeah, man. You, know, you know any any match that i get it like oh you know this is going really well and we meet up and everything like that all of a sudden they'd be like oh what do you want to listen to she's like can we listen to like i don't know jason aldean i'm like fuck sorry i don't oh. swear but no limits, man. No okay. limits. It's like, fuck. All right, cool. Yeah, are you going to go? But, like, I mean, it turned into, like, everyone's a fucking country girl now. But, um, no, uh, I listen to pretty much uh, anything. I mean, I, I love metal. I played metal bands. Like, that was the main thing I did. I do open mics, too, like, but it's a lot more soft rock. It, it really depends on what I'm, what I'm feeling that day. Hell, I'll go from, like, listening to freaking Skrillex to listening to like behemoth. You know what I mean? It just doesn't, it does not matter to me like at all by any means. As long as I enjoy the music, I enjoy it. 
Absolutely. I listen to whatever is affecting my mood at the moment. So Damn right. So for those of us that, that maybe don't know you as well, um, what, what kind of instruments do you play? And as a kid, like, did you, were you involved in, in music in school at all? Or was it just kind of like the, the bands on the side? Like, you know, give us a little bit of background on that. Well, uh, I guess just, this is a quick one for this one. Elementary school, I played the freaking trumpet. I did it for like a month and a half and I was garbage. And I, I didn't even think about music until about being 13, 14 again, where my dad, he was actually, he's a musician. He played guitar and sang. And um, he was pretty much like, hey, you should learn to play guitar. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. And he, finally, there's this one day, he was like, here, just try it out. I'm like, okay. Showed me a couple chords. And I sat at the kitchen table for no lie, probably 14 hours straight playing the freaking chords and just overdoing. Like, it was insane. Like, and then uh, it, after that, it was like, no lie, like between six to eight hours a day, I was playing guitar. And it was just like, I got a bug that was like, well, this ain't going away. And <laughs> I learned it. And uh, then the singing kind of came afterwards, realizing I could hold a melody, hold a tune, you know, keep a freaking pitch and everything like that. And then um, I was doing my very first show, which is actually really funny. Hear this out uh, at Hot Topic. It was called Local Static. They would choose a local artist and uh, they would promote it for the whole month. And that was my very first show I ever did, which had a couple hundred people there. And to say my whole hand was numb while I played guitar for my whole set would be an understatement because I felt like my body was numb and I was terrified. <laughs> so I'll say that. Like uh, I, I'd done stuff where people were looking at me before, but there were other people on stage that weren't just me. And uh, that's where I was like, Oh my God. But uh, yeah, I, I play guitar. Uh, I've been playing for half my life about that. Um, I fiddle with the piano. I'm not terrible on it, but I definitely couldn't just pick up a damn song or, or read sheet music. And I mean, I can sing. That's pretty much where I'm at. Or if you give me like nice. a bass or a ukulele, I could play that up and down too. Cause it's just another string instrument. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. So that's pretty much it for that, but it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been super fun. I mean, I, I love music. Uh, it, it was my first love before wrestling. So, I mean, you know, it's you never forget your first love kind of deal, but like I still play music like as much as I can when I can. Well, before we hop over into the wrestling world, which is, I'm sure it's coming soon, but, uh, you also do like actual like painting art, right? Yeah. Um, or- yeah, well, the thing is, is, it's not It's not like, okay, so it is art. I know it's going to sound kind of shitty to put myself down on this, but it is art, but I don't use brushes. I don't do that. Like, everyone knows what pour painting is. Like, that's kind of what I do. Uh, and, uh, you know, you mix up certain acrylics and you pour it over a thing. You never know how it's going to turn out. Everyone is literally different. Um, but I do also alterations to those pour paintings once they're done so that it's not just like, all right, here's a pour painting, time to sell it. Uh, a lot of the time I will put, like, different things on it like uh my buddy cut the vinyl uh will literally think i'm like hey can you cut this out for me so i can like i literally iron it onto the painting put a clear coat over it so it's got like its own little thing to it or i'll just like you know mess around with it just it's art so you can literally do whatever you want but um i've sold a good amount of paintings believe it or not but i think a lot of it does have to do with uh people's legitimate um interest in me as a person and as the king so I think it helps having the fan base as well that are like, yeah, we want to buy something from you because of who you are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel I, like that helps. That helps a lot. I feel like that's the basis for any sort of marketing is the person, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, so before we jump into the wrestling, the squire, Paul, when did he come <laughs> yeah. to your life? Uh, so he's been my best friend for seven or eight years now. Um, me and him actually met through uh, mutual friends that we we knew who each other were because uh, we grew up in the same city. 
Um, so we like, you know, we had an idea of who each other were. We knew each other's names, but either way, he's a little younger than me, but we had a mutual friend, uh, well, two mutual friends, my, one of my still good friends, James and our friend, Kenny, and, uh, they both lived together. And, uh, we, all four of us could just hang out, play video games like super smash brothers and Kenny's basement and fucking drink and hang out and just me and Paul were the wrestling fans. So we'd always talk wrestling. And then once the group kind of disintegrated, you know, as, as things happen in life, um, me and Paul just stuck together and, uh, we found these character roles and, you know, I mean, obviously we have, we have literal just chemistry, you know what I mean? Like it's funny cause actually he lives with me. He's literally in the living room while I'm, while we're, while I'm talking right now, watching TV. <laughs> so I mean, like, I mean, well, yeah. So, That's awesome. but, uh, it's, 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 it's fun, man. Like, you know, my best friend, uh, we, we definitely bounce creative stuff off each other. Um, which again, he is actually a big reason to why I'll even say this. I'm no longer the sixth and, uh, yeah. Okay, we'll get to that, but yeah, definitely. he's he's a big reason for a lot of stuff, believe it or not. He, uh, he does a lot more than uh, it seems. He's not just the whiny guy inside. He, he's just <laughs> as creative, if not more, sometimes than I am. So That's awesome. And it, there's definitely some things we've talked about off off of uh, the record that <laughs> would oh, yeah. to me, me understanding that, that that dude holds a lot of value. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> uh, so to transition from kind of like your personal and past uh, into the wrestling, when, when did wrestling enter your life? Like, when did you first discover it? Uh, I discovered it at a young age, like most wrestling fans and most wrestlers today. Um, I was pretty young. I mean, I, I like to say maybe like six or seven or something like that. But I do remember the very first time I really, really got into it. Uh, I'm not mistaken, when it really finally caught me, uh, I was probably like, eight or nine and I was watching WCW and uh, believe it or not WWF was not the thing that caught me um, it was the misfits in action like, uh, me, like huge erection and uh, you know freaking um, what's his name uh, Cajun freaking you know I'm trying to remember the, oh yeah GI bro GI like, bro Loco, yeah, exactly, all that exactly, oh, all them yeah okay. <laughs> yeah so like oddly enough they were what I was into and then like I got into it and like uh, so this is kind of funny but uh, just a little side note but at PTW um, just to bring it up when I wrestled Disco Inferno that was one of my favorites growing up like as a WCW character so I'm like this is the coolest goddamn thing in the world <laughs> like I got to get a take a freaking chart cluster by this guy but you know like things like that it's it's WCW was like my bread and butter. But then I will say, as things went on, I had a good friend of mine, this kid, Derek, and uh, we used to go to shows all the time because his dad would bring us, and it was always WWF. And I fell in love with WWF. And it just, you know, kept going. And uh, there was maybe like a two-year period in my teenage years where I stopped watching, but then like I could never get away from wrestling. Like I just, no matter if I wanted to or not, it was just there. So I was like, well, screw it. I'm a wrestling fan for life. So I feel like everybody goes through one of those periods where like they start as a wrestling fan as a kid. And then like all of a sudden in teenage years, they lose it a little bit. Like they still know about it, but they don't yeah. know it as close. And then they pick it back up later on in life. I, like, I just feel like every person that, that I talk to, it just seems like that's a whole pattern. For everybody, so it's just really interesting that somebody know that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've talked to like probably now this, you know, and I, I like I said, I don't know you that well, but like just talking to you from right now, that that especially someone in the business now that has that pattern, but it's just very interesting because I I know I've gone through the same thing. I know That's the lot's funny. gone through the same thing. A lot of my that. a lot of my friends and people <laughs> I know that uh that are into wrestling have gone through the same thing where like at some point they like stopped watching it or like religiously following it. But then right. they like come back to it, and it's I don't know. It's just very. It's funny. I didn't know that was a pattern. That actually makes me laugh. That, that's kind of funny. I had no idea. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, here I am back and loving wrestling yet again. So, in fact, <laughs> diving deeper than I ever have. So, yeah. 
So, uh, what, what were some of your inspirations? Like, so those are some of the guys that you were like really diehard into. But like, uh, yeah. when you're forming like your character or your your wrestling style, who would have been your so inspiration for that? So, so many. Um, one of the big ones was Triple H. Uh, Triple H is my favorite of all time. Um, I think his psychology is the best to probably ever be in a ring. If I'm being quite honest with you. Um, maybe besides, besides Mr. Perfect, but I think they're both up there in that same caliber of, uh, psychology experts. And, uh, literally just like, again, he was the cerebral assassin for a reason. The guy was yeah. legitimately that smart when I came to in ring work. Um, I wouldn't argue it. Now, and, uh, I, I gotta say when it comes to actual like character development, like I remember, so it's, it's funny because I grew up and it was like, you know, I had, uh, I can actually tell you like a list of how it went with my favorites. It was literally, you know, the, uh, MIA, it went to, uh, uh, Disco Inferno to Buff Bagwell. Um, to and the one over WWF turned into Stone Cold and The Rock, obviously, like everybody else. But then it became Undertaker, the Rob Van Dam, Triple H. Like it's just it's it's done this whole freaking loop as I've gotten older and like literally grown up. I've seen different things in different people. But um, if I'm gonna say like I'd go with Triple H for the psychology, I'd go with um Undertaker for the character, along with the uh, Boogeyman, and I'd probably have to say. The character I'd have to go with, and Boogeyman, huh? Yeah, well, dude, character, character, character. These okay. guys are, these guys are, are literally like masters of their craft. Well, what really hits me about that is because I know I've had a conversation with you, and I'll, I'll tell that story right now. Sure. The conversation I had with Boogeyman when I was bringing him from Philadelphia to PPW was about how he, to me. I had just watched the uh, HBO documentary on Andre the Giant, and they talk okay. about how you wouldn't want to bring him into your territory full-time because if you have him full-time, he's no longer the Giant. He just becomes a regular Joe. And I was telling the Boogeyman, I'm like, listen, to me, you're like Andre the Giant. You're like the Undertaker. If you use you too much, you become a regular guy. But when you use you sparingly, you're an attraction and he told me, he's like, listen, the only person that has ever told me that before was at WrestleMania, and it was Triple H. He's like, I'm going to remember amazing. you. But then I told you the same thing. Like, I was like, this, this, you have this presence about you. And to me, you are an attraction. You know, like you. And honestly, so, what I'm hoping for, man. <laughs> yeah. So if that's one of your inspirations. Like, it makes sense to me because I feel, 100%. Like, I feel like you're on the right track. Well, that's what I'm hoping for, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's everyone always hopes they're on the right track. You know, there's always going to be slip ups no matter who the hell you are. No one has a perfect run. It's always going to be questioning things and, oh, should I have done this different? There's always going to be that self doubt and everything. But you always have to remember is like, if I think about this, like literally this is my third year in the business now, April 16th, I believe will be, will mark my third year. And if I'm not mistaken, thinking about it, it's like, even in the first year and a half, I, I always had, I always had ideas. I had thoughts to give people and things like that. And I was like, should I, because I'm so new and I'm this and I'm that, and I'm that. But I always think about like, you know what, if I can give a creativity, like I, I helped a couple people out. I'm like, I'm not going to say who just like, but I've helped people out with their, with their character work and their yeah. promo work and like really like gotten hands on with people that like, tried to help. And I know I'm not like this crazy grizzled vet, but like, I like to believe I have like, some good ideas and that's what I'm hoping can drag over as I keep going with all these years that are coming. And like with this whole character change that is happening, even though I'm still King Leon, I'm a new King Leon. I'm hoping that I can 
put myself into a into a, a like a, a higher tier, another plateau, or to be to be seen. You know, like just something to lift me up even higher and show people like. Oh, maybe he was right this whole time. You know what I mean? And like some people obviously freaking think I'm probably blowing smoke out their ass. It's like, oh, what's this kid know? Blah, 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 blah. That's fine. Cause I'm going to do it my way anyway. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. uh, there are people like that, obviously. But I mean, at the end of the day, I just, I, I, I stay strong to believing that being an attraction is always going to be way more important than being a draw. Because when you're an attraction, you're immediately a draw. And that's the thing that people don't realize, you know? Yeah. I think, like, about that giving advice thing and about, like, people being resistant to it. Personally, I I know between the maestro and myself, uh, one of the reasons that I kind of asked the maestro to come in and be a part of high-tension wrestling is because he has a background in theater and theater directing, theater acting. Like, he went to school for this stuff that holds so much value in understanding character and like direction story wrestling is so much more than this physical thing yeah, not to mention presence yeah the stage presence alone you can give you help with I, I, absolutely presence is so important yeah. a lot of people are timid and uh they or don't know don't know where to stand to give, show the biggest impact and that is a big deal yeah <laughs> So. You know, people got to get outside that ego and realize that like, this is more than just like a what seems like a competitive sport and take notes from people who have the background in, in character development and story Absolutely. and creativity, man. So, yeah, man, give give that advice. If they deserve it, give it to them. Some of my best advice has honestly come from people that I would have like, least, least expected it from. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people like, like uh, Matt Stryker, incredible in the locker room that guy's a locker room leader through and through great person um he'll always be one of those people you can be like oh that makes sense but there have been some people man where i'm like like you wouldn't expect like you know some some newer or younger guys even some guys who are like green as goose shit would be like give you some advice like like just out like out of nowhere just like you know shooting their shot like you're still a person you know what i mean (laughs) like just because you don't have the whole the whole uh you know in-ring thing down yet doesn't make you a you know, not a human being who could have a good idea. So yeah, that's absolutely. what people don't seem to realize. It's just because you're not like this five to 10 year vet doesn't mean that you don't have good ideas. Cause like there are people who've been in for three years, like guys like Darby Allen, uh, guys like freaking, um, yeah. God, who else? Uh, Chris Bay, uh, is a buddy of mine who I've, you know, we've, we've, we've been on a couple of shows together, a good dude. And like, he's been around for two years. He's already on impact. Like, obviously it just takes certain things to happen. Cause you don't have to be in for 12 years to get your, recognition you know what i mean yeah no not at all i mean it's just it's a matter of what you do with the foundation you know for sure no absolutely you build on it because we all kind of learn the same basics it's you got to take as the individual you got to take the uh, opportunity to learn on your own what makes you stand out absolutely so yeah congrats to those guys i mean look where darby allen's at right now it's insane for sure man like those guys yeah all those guys like uh sammy Guevara. you know like uh for instance oh this is a perfect example uh a buddy of mine too um you know we 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 aren't, aren't as close as um as friends i'd like to say but like we've definitely been in the locker room many times we've shared a lot of conversations um austin theory was just on raw this yeah. past monday granted uh pretty bad spot for him after after the uh the drop but either way 
I mean, he's still, the dude's on WrestleMania. Like, the dude is freaking 22 and living his best life. And you know something? I guarantee you the path that he took is not going to be the same path that I take or the path that freaking probably 99% of other people take. And when all these, and I don't, I don't want to sound disrespectful because I'm not trying to be, but when all these, these vets or these people who think that they have it all figured out and there's only one specific way to do it, once they get that out of their head that there is literally a billion ways to do it because wrestling is just the most... Like you can do anything in wrestling. That's the coolest thing. You do anything yeah. when it comes to training, when it comes to this, when it comes to any, any way to get ahead, it doesn't have to be conventional to work. And that's what they need to get out of their heads. Granted. Yes. You should go to a school. You should go and get trained. You should do it correctly. But when it comes to doing stuff on your own accord, that should be your own prerogative without getting shit for it. Truthfully. Well, especially when it comes to like character and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like a lot of places, like obviously you need the fundamental, like in ring basics, you know, going to school. But as far as character goes, I mean, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff can come from just anywhere and anything. I'm a firm believer that character work should be your own work. Um, I don't believe that anyone should have creative control on your own character other than you. There is only one exception and that's because he has shown that he can do it correctly, and that is Mike Quackenbush, because Quackenbush is a fucking genius. Yeah. But I will say, I will say, I believe that other than Mike Quackenbush, I think that realistically, <clears throat> you know what you're getting yourself into when you go to Chikara. You know you're getting a character assigned to you, unless people don't know that, but that's besides the point. People should but, know that. I feel <laughs> eventually, throughout this podcast, uh, it's run, people will find that out. Yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> either way, so... There you go. Uh, for what I know, I mean, I've never. Don't, I'm not a Chikara expert by any means, so I'm going to put that out there right now. But I got an idea of how things go. Um, but I will say that I think that your own character, like I don't think that I don't think the company should be saying, "No, you shouldn't do that with your character." I think you should have the ability to crash and burn on your own accord, or succeed on your own accord, and see what happens. And I think that if you are trained by that place, regardless of their situation or thoughts to it, they should let you try it. Personally. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the trainer getting to have say over everything you do. Correct. I, I don't know when that became a thing um, because I, I know when I was coming up, it was kind of like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do what you got to do in the ring. I'm going to give you some guidelines and tips, but you, you basically, it's your job to come up with your character and, and be successful on your own. Uh, yeah, I got very, very lucky that I got the trainer that I got. Uh, my trainer was... Uh... Oh, you don't know him. He was a very, he's a big East Coast guy, but he's a legend in the East Coast. Um, Jose Perez, Jose Garcia, uh, East Coast intensity. Uh, the guy was, was and is, um, because he's become a great friend, obviously, and a mentor. And I got lucky to get trained by him out of all people because he, he ran me dry, but the dude was uh, nothing but respectful and understanding and only helped criticize the honest to God bad stuff I was thinking. Like there was some stuff where he's like, don't, don't do that. But, you know, but like, but there are, he was always supportive of how I got around and now he just talks shit to me when I train and calls me fat, but that's okay because it's fair. So <laughs> like we're, we're, we're at that point where we are good enough friends to now where it's, you know, I mean, he came out of retirement to wrestle me in a freaking, in a, in a, uh, balls come anywhere match for the love of God. So, okay. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty, oh yeah, it's awesome. But I mean, either way, I agree. Trainers need to, uh, not to say know their place because that's not a cool, good way to put it, but they need to give a little more to their their students and let them try it. They're just to see. I agree. Uh, since we're talking about characters, this is kind of out of the timeline of questioning here, but 
Uh, if you were to get signed by, say, WWE, and they wanted you to strip your character and do something totally different, how do you feel about that? I would do it. Um, at the end of the day, I have zero issue with um, being being a company guy. You know, I, and uh, not to say uh, not to say I'd want them to take my friggin' liberties and then just yes sir, or no sir. But I mean, that is kind of how it goes with places like that. If they're going to, if they're willing to see something in me to want to bring me in, and they're willing to pay me something that's going to literally feed my family and put a house, like a roof over my head, and have money in the bank, and all they want me to do is change a little bit for them but they still see that they want me there, I would absolutely do it. Because I also feel that I could be, that I could thrive in any role and put in. Yeah. Um, I know that the king is my bread and butter for sure, but I guarantee if you pulled me out of it, I would find a way to make whatever I'm doing work because I, I have enough faith in myself that I am creative enough to make shit like that work. Yeah, I mean, your success with the king shows that you will have the chops to do that. So, for sure. <clears throat> uh, so, but yeah, that, yeah, I would 100%. 100% would do that. <laughs> awesome. if, uh, if, so if you guys are listening, WWE, uh, what it, what it do? Stephen Baker, Massachusetts. Uh, <laughs> what it do? <laughs> sign him, Vince. Sign him. Yeah. Sign. <laughs> God, please sign me. <laughs> I need money. I'm broke. <laughs> Especially now. Uh, oh, dude, for real. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so you, you talked about training. What... When did you have your first match after training? Or oh, oh man, it was it was quick. Um, I started training in December of I like to say 2016. Yeah, that sounds about right. December of 2016 was when I started training. My first match was in April of 2017, so it was only about a four month span. Um, but I will say, within those four months, again, Jose ran the happen so like i was going for multiple hours at a time multiple days a week and i was getting i was getting i was in a ring literally no lie like five days a week and i had no problem with that i was so happy to be there in general um my back was bruised to freaking high heaven from all the ropes the i freaking everything was sore but i just it was something that like i just i needed it more and uh but either way uh april yeah, April 16th, 2017 was my first match for a, a little place in Rhode Island um, that a lot of companies are out of. And I wrestled a uh, old friend of mine. I haven't really spoken to him in a while, but like, we're, you know, we're pretty cool when we see each other. But uh, Nick Marchand was my very first match. And uh, he was just, he's a local Rhode Island guy. And um, I just remember being super, super like, nervous and like talking to people about it. I'm like what should I, is there like what should I do and like, they're like dude it's going to you I'm like yeah, you're right and then finally when I got comfortable with my skin you, you've seen me now I have no problem yelling and being the freaking most obnoxious man in the room at all times so I mean <laughs> indeed <laughs> oh man I mean I've seen you terrorize a bunch of kids at their birthday children party. yes I, I yell so. at kids like no one's business like I will, I will freaking CD. scream at children like that is all there is to it I don't care if you're a kid don't talk to me or I'm getting yelled at. Like, that's all there is to it. Nice. Uh, so I kind of want to chat about some of the companies you worked for. And one of the ones yep. that I want to ask you directly about is uh, Dynasty. Dynasty is that one of the companies that – it's the first exposure I had to King Leo. Well, it's funny you say that because Dynasty – I've actually uh, that that I've never worked at Dynasty. Wait, what? that was not a place I've worked. Yep, I've never worked at Dynasty. You got to be thinking of somewhere else. What? But I've never worked at Dynasty. I have just uh, yeah, I, I worked at 
Wait, oh God! Where did you work? You work Christina Marie. Where was this? Oh, that, oh, that, that, that was pro wrestling takeover. PWT. Uh, that okay, was in Maine. Okay, so she was working Dynasty a lot, and then I must have saw yes. that match from there. Okay. No, it's all good. Um, but so, yeah, so, oh, so your first match, all right? So the first match the you saw. That's fine. <laughs> so the first match you saw though was then me and PWT. Then was was it? That's what it was. PWT. Okay, so yes. me and Christina. So yeah, that was uh, that was early on in both of our careers, if I'm not mistaken. Me and Christina, we were both pretty new, but we were both catching on a lot of steam very quickly. And uh, I remember hearing about her and she was like, yeah, I've heard about you too. And like the exchange numbers, we talked for weeks prior to it. Like, Oh, I'm so excited. We should try da, 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 da. just going over a crazy amount of ideas. And like, I had been wrestling women a lot for some reason. Like I had a span of this wrestling, like a bunch of women and like, Man. um, and like Sonny, Sonny kiss. I know he's not a girl, but like, you know, he's got the feminine aspect and I wrestled him in that whole meantime. Like it was just like, literally if, if he was either a feminine man or a woman that I was fighting for like a good couple months. Right. And, um, Christina, if I'm not mistaken, was to lead me to Ali Rex, uh, and, and uh, Mike Orlando for the title. But, uh, she was supposed to, I don't remember how it was supposed to go, but either way, yeah, we had that match and, um, PWT was awesome. Unfortunately, they closed their doors. Uh, I love Ryan. Um, a little disappointed on how it happened and how he closed his doors, but oh, wow. I, I respect them. Um, it just sucks because I like that place like a lot. <laughs> it was like one of those places you can go and you felt like family. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but uh, so, but yeah, so yeah, me and Christina, that was a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, just watching that match and some of the other matches that you had done with women that I've seen, it really. And you're saying this was early on in your career, very early within my first year. I would never have known. Well, I mean, as far as like your presence and your character, it seemed like this is the guy that is like the guy at that company. Like that's what it seemed like to me. It's really cool that you say that. Cause Ryan said the same thing. The guy who ran PWT, he was like, you know, he's like, I knew from the get go when I saw you that you would end up being one of our guys. And I was like, I, I'm glad you did. Cause I didn't fucking know. But, uh, I mean, it really, um, my, my confidence is obviously gone way up since. And I feel really good about saying that I could, I feel honestly that I could put a company on my back and bring it to other heights with the right, with the right, uh, with the right backing and support. At that point, I had no idea. So he was priming me to be that guy. I had, again, no clue. For a good, their last year, like solid year, I was in the title picture, never actually won it, but stole it and did a whole bunch of crap with it. Like, it was just, the storylines were insane. Um, but it was super fun. But, like, at that point, like, one thing, like, we're talking about the theater thing. You always have that background of, like, you know how to work a crowd. And that's always my, that's my bread and butter. You put a microphone in my hand or you tell me to do something with that crowd and I will manipulate them any way I need to to make them do what they have to do. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're, you're definitely the kind of guy that can do that, man. Um, so, okay. So there was PWT. Before we get to PPW, what other um, companies were you working for that really kind of were places you wanted to be or that were standing out to you? Well, I um, started in a place called RWA, which is uh, uh, this guy, T. Phoenix's, uh, uh, his promotion. Um, he's a Rhode Island guy as well. Love the guy. A little temperamental, but a very, very good person. Uh, great heart. And uh, he gave me my first chance to really get out there. Uh, but one place that, like, uh, my, 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 my thought process getting into wrestling was, like, I really wanted to wrestle for top row promotions. I, they've always been something that I had seen growing up in the area of Brockton and that's where they ran. And I was like, Oh man, that's so cool. And I wish, you know, I wish that oh, if I ever wrestle, I'm going to wrestle there. Just, you know, it was just one of those places. It was like, that was a, it was a goal of mine. And then, uh, I 
had my first show there. They put me freaking front and center on the poster. It was, it was awesome. I'm like, well, I did it. And like, so I was like, all right, well, I need, I need some more, I need some more, uh, more goals. And then I looked at XWA, got brought into XWA, which there I've gotten freaking, I wrestled Matt Stryker twice there, I wrestled Pantino Morella, fucking had uh, uh, crazy matches there that are probably some of my best that I've ever had. If people ever went out to go look at them, like, and it's just, it's, it's been so fun. Um, then just like, let's see. So I got XWA, got top rope. Um, I wrestled freaking dear God, I'm trying to think of some other good places that I've gone. I mean, it's, there's been a lot, honestly, there's been like a lot of, uh, of our places. Immortal championship wrestling was one of the places that I wrestled. That was me and Fox Vineyard. We had a freaking banger of a, of a match. Okay. Awesome match. Uh, in front of like probably 400 people. Um, yeah. Immortals pulling some really nice crowds. Yes, yes they are. Yes they are. Uh, they, they, the first, the only time I was there, man, I was treated with nothing but respect. It was a great, great time. Everyone in the locker room was amazing. Uh, I love that place. Honestly, I'd go back there any day. Awesome. But um, yeah. So I mean, I, those are those are the places I'd like to. I'll take a nod at. But uh, that's that's something I'll say for that. Um, let's see. Uh, one thing I do have coming up. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll be in Maine. I'll just I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave I'll leave that there. I'm just gonna leave that open to people who are listening. Nice. Um, so, okay. I'm trying to get, gather my thoughts here. Um, right, well, so, you had, you had mentioned yeah, um, you had mentioned wrestling like Matt Stryker and uh, Santino Morello. Who were some other like really notable names that you've worked with, either for some of those promotions you mentioned, or just kind of like in general? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, so I had that I had that match. Uh, it was it was actually a tag team match. It was me and Richard Holiday versus Santino and. Uh, and Matt Stryker and um, super fun match. We were the Royal marketing campaign for a night. It was hilarious. Um, so we did that. Literally just had a big old comedy match with them and obviously got some wrestling in, but minimal, but we had a really good time. Um, I wrestled, uh, I think it was an eight man or was it 10? I don't remember, but it was at PPW where I wrestled uh, against in a big old tag match against Disco Inferno and Molina. Uh, another one at PPW. I wrestled uh Blue Meanie, which was really cool. That was that was a good one. That felt really cool. Um, I wrestled Robbie E. I wrestled freaking uh, Madman Fulton on a random whim on a WrestleMania weekend. I, uh, dear God, uh, who else is there? <laughs> I feel like there's more. I, just, I literally cannot remember right now. Um, either way, those are the big ones. I feel like if, if anything else, uh, Oleg the Usurper from Chikara. Big fan of his. Uh, he was actually my first green match that I wanted, oddly enough. And we've wrestled multiple times now. We have a blast whenever we wrestle. So that's always a good time. Um, yeah, that's, that's about, I think that's about it, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, there might be more, but that's what I can remember off the top of my head. Well, uh, going into the, the Blue Meanie, there was a really cool <laughs> skit that you did going into that match. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of the other notable ones is... Uh, the you and I believe it was Mark Adam Haggerty, the Lion King parody. Oh, yeah. All right. That was my first exposure to your uh, like promo work. Promo work, and man, was I ever excited to see you come into PPW, where I was. That was kind of my mainstay for a while. For sure. Um, you know what, though, those promos, I'll tell you, were some of the most fun I've ever had in the wrestling world, and I wasn't even part of it. Like. Me and Paul, like I said, we lived together. So it was just like, hey, man, you want to do a promo today? I'm like, yeah. And uh, funny story, those actually, those promos came up because of a Lakeview server. Um, I, would, I found out that I had finally had a match with him. And 
I was pretty much talking to Paul. I'm like, man, we got to do something bigger than just a normal promo. Not like, hey, I'll see you there. Oleg. Like, we need to do a real promo and uh, like something creative. And so we got out and we're thinking and we're just singing. Um, uh, we started singing Mulan. And, uh, and all of a sudden we redid it into, uh, oh, God. So what was it somehow? Uh, uh, oh, if Oleg wins, I'll be head. I don't know. It was just something stupid that we did. And we did the music video with it. And then it got so much traction from people. Like, this is great. We want more. We're like, shit so like we just we found figured out we were onto something and then we just kept writing and writing and writing and writing and then 15 songs and videos later we put out a freaking cd uh if i'm not mistaken that was the uh, king's bop volume six <laughs> <laughs> and then the second cd we did was all pop songs which was now that's what i call Leon volume six and then there was a uh there was a christmas album a five song christmas album that was only out for like a couple weeks but it was um i'm dreaming of a gold kingsmas and that was it and that's, those are the three that we have done. And dear God, have all of them been so goddamn fun. <laughs> it's been fun to watch. Oh, man. Uh, I, and I can't wait. I cannot wait to see some of the promo work we're going to do together. Oh, man. Yeah, there's good, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. I've already got so many ideas. You have no no idea what I've got in my tank right now. But there is some, there is some stuff brewing. Oh, Whenever this, when all this finally floats over and the real reveal of... Uh, the new character comes, you will you will all see. Oh, speaking of the reveal of the new character, uh, what I really want to know is one, how you came up with the character, and then two, some of the mythology behind the character because the the King Leon the Six has background, but now yes, the new Black Black Blade also has some background to it. It's not exactly the same. No. So, okay. So, um, yeah, there was, I'll just go into the lore of it. So King Leon the sixth is, uh, officially dead. Um, Behedja is also now dead. Um, Behedja does not exist anymore. Um, King Leon the sixth does not exist anymore. The only thing that exists now is the house of the black blade and King Leon is the first of it. So there's no point to have a sixth. So let's believe it at that. He is the black blade King Leon and okay. he is the first ruler of the house of black blade first king of the house of black blade now to go into it a little further king leon the sixth was uh from behedja that was his you know his home kingdom his homeland but the first king ever of behedja he was called the black blade and he had a sword and a book of prophecy and the crown and a whole bunch of stuff which king leon and squire went and found and by doing so they found the seal of the black blade which is the logo that you see on my page now. That is the seal of the Black Blade. And um, a little little incantation thing in the woods of Behedja and uh, unleashed the curse of the Black Blade all over Behedja, which is why Behedja is now officially dead. So unfortunately, King Leon VI did not pull off the pull it off correctly, So, which is why the white eyes have happened. And it was supposed to be for the power, to harness the power of the Black Blade. Unfortunately, all he did was get piece of the Black Blade in him now. So he is now no longer just King Leon. He is also the Black Blade. It's intense. And it's it, it, it's a lot. It's a lot, man. I know it's, like it's, it's like, okay, well, who's going to actually freaking follow that? But you know something? If you need it, it's there. You know, like that's the thing. It's like the lore is there. The story is there. And if need be, it, it can be built. So... Absolutely. Before we get deeper into like the whole uh, King Leon and, and Black Blade stuff, was there anything else before you came up with the whole King Leon the Sixth that <laughs> you were thinking about as far as like for your for your gimmick or for your character or for you know something like that before you arrived at 
King Leon the sixth to start? Um, <laughs> there was one, one thing that I almost did. And I'm really, really glad I did. Um, <laughs> it was going to be like a face thing. It was going to be uh it was going to be an actual, I was not going to be here. It was going to be a face. Um, I was going to be the, uh, the, the dancing fat guy is basically what I was going to be pulling off. Oh, and, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. But you know what? I was like, you know what? I mean, it's not me. Like it is me, but it's not me. Like that's not what I want to go and portray. So I just kind of left that alone. But I was like, you know what? We're not going to do that at all. <laughs> I'm going to leave that and, uh, I will never use it again. So, but, uh, but luckily I, I've gotten, I've gotten pretty good at, um, fuck up the sound, uh, stealing gimmicks and making them my own in the sense of, doing fun shows so like i've been stone cold steve baker i'm literally just stone cold i've been mm-hmm. the underbaker i'm literally just the undertaker <laughs> like you know things like that but like <laughs> but like when, when i do it i go all out <laughs> like i mean like paul uh paul for who's squire he came out and he was paul bearclaw and i was the underbaker <laughs> and uh we had our almighty churn and uh you were going to rest in yeast and uh we had a casket match against yoko tuna you know so like there was just like man we just had it was insane but like so we do things like that and like that's yeah that's about it for that was, it, was there a match with limp biscuit at one point yeah that was fox uh greg durst but he wasn't limp biscuit. he was greg durst not fred durst he was greg durst's cousin but the hot dog <laughs> bit though we gotta, we gotta talk about the hot dog bit that was on me. I told him, like, dude, I'm like, I got to choke on a hot dog. He's like, what? I'm like, put the hot dog in my damn mouth. I was like, stupid. But like, he's like, he's like, oh, when I do it, we should dance. We should, like, you know, we should, like, uh, you know, kids and play. I'm like, yeah, all right, man. I don't care. Like, whatever. Just get the freaking hot dog out of my mouth. Like, we'll figure our way out there. So uh, me, me and Fox get real weird with each other when we call matches, but it's super fun. So <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my god. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Uh, they don't really show it, but there is a part in that match where Fox takes out a bag from under the ring, which you think is thumbtacks, and it's just a bunch of hot dogs. Yeah. So, like, that's, uh, that was fun. <laughs> so good. My God. So, what, do you have, like, a process, like, when you're creating things, or is it just something, like, inspires you and then sparks something, or... Um, you know what? Yeah, uh, there, there's definitely certain, it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything, because, like, my brain's always going, man, um, with anxiety. I've always had a freaking, just like a, like a spitfire mind um in a certain certain ways and like creativity has always been one of them and um i take a lot of just i'll be sitting playing poker with paul at the freaking kitchen table eating a goddamn like freaking tuna sandwich and i'm like oh my god this had this great idea and like maybe we both do it and it's just like yeah, it just happens and we just like yep let's do that um and then there's also times where again so this is actually funny i'm gonna tell anybody this because i was like i didn't want to do it to connect it but i'm a giant nerd uh, always have been a giant nerd and um the black blade is actually a magic card magic the gathering and uh the black blade was actually one of my core lash air to black blade was a magic card that was my favorite card growing up and i wanted to use it because i loved it that much nice yeah. awesome. so there's that <laughs> so i took uh took a little bit of magic nerd nerdism and brought it over to, to wrestling to try to confuse the jock <laughs> So uh yeah. So is, is there anything like specific that you want somebody or want the people to know about you or your character or anything? Um I don't know. I mean, I I want 
I want people to understand that. Um, okay, so yeah, you know what? There is something I should tell people. Going forward, I'm going to try my best, and I've already said this in another podcast recently, I'm going to try my best, honestly, because I'm a social person, to be a lot more tasty, basically, if you will. And uh, for the people who are wrestling fans and wrestlers and smart marks, they don't know what the hell that is anyway. Yeah. But I think I need to keep myself away from the public eye if I want to be an attraction. I think that I should go out, do what I need to do, and don't do anything else. I agree. So, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, so all the people who missed giving me hugs or shaking my hand, nice good to see you, Steve. Steve isn't going to be around anymore, at least going to try not to be. Yeah. And that's nothing personal, but I have to do it. I mean, there was that story about back in ECW when the Sandman, I think he got blinded for the whole month until the next show he would have somebody guide him around and he, he like called off of work and everything. Like he played up the gimmick hard. Really? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's awesome though. Full, fully committed to it. Fully committed. And that's literally what I have to do with this. I have no choice. Um, I, I obviously do have a choice, but I, I want, I don't want people to be like, Oh, there's just another wrestler. He's out of character. Or that's not what I'm going to be. Um, if you see me, I am King Leon. Do not bother. Like, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, definitely. <laughs> still hawk your gimmicks, but in character. Stuff like that. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, I, you got to have a certain length of professionalism depending on who and what you're talking to. But at the same time, yeah. you got to be able to hold your character uh, to its to its own respect. Um, MJF is the perfect example. Yeah. MJF is the perfect example of what I'm going to try to do. I'm not just that to me. I'm going to go and yell at kids or do like, which I do anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, that, I'm well, going that's to MJF extent. <laughs> yeah, but I'm definitely going to be in character when you see me. There will be no Steve. Yeah. And that's just the best bet. It kind of reminds me of like uh, with that character and still being able to sell gimmicks while in character, Bin Hameen and the $5 face. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it reminds me of that. Like, people are attracted. Like, even if you're a bad guy, people are still attracted to the the extremes oh, yeah. that your character goes to. And they want to be in the presence of the character and not so much the person behind it. Very, very true. Um, you know, I've never met that guy. I've never met, I've never met Ben, but I, I know of him. And uh, I know that what he does is some good stuff. So. That is a guy I would love to connect with one of these days because actually I've, I've, I've just assumed we've run, we would run into each other by now, which I'm very surprised we haven't. Yeah, I'm surprised um, too, actually. But either way, that's somebody who I'm sure I will run into one day. And um, that's the kind of guy I'd, I'd like to get behind and really talk to and get in his ear and figure out what kind of uh, kind of ideas he has because he obviously has some smart ideas as well. And I, 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 like, I like bouncing my ideas off of other intelligent people who want to better themselves and the people around them, not the selfish people. So... Definitely, man. So, like, say, say you're, you know, retired. Right. What What would you have wanted your legacy to be? I would have wanted my legacy to be a king, but nobody else can say he was just another king. Right. I would want somebody to say that's that's King Leon. Like that's what he is. If you're doing something that was like King Leon, you're copying King Leon. He wasn't copying the other kings. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, no other king in wrestling is like what you're doing. That's I mean, what I was trying to find. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Because that can be a dangerous hole to go down, too. I mean, geez, there's King of the Ring, which they just make 
pretty much anybody a king and so like just the whole royalty thing can be such a such a dark hole to go down to in the first place Uh, i mean what 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 you're doing with it is you know and like the fact that you even have like a set mythology behind it and like there's a whole backstory to it like just shows the lengths that you're willing to go for the actual king character itself rather than just like all right i put a crown on now you call me a king and i exactly, just have to exactly. you know it's way it's way more than that well that's the thing man anybody see that it's like it's like the thing like oh anyone can throw on a pair of boots and get in a wrestling ring it's the same thing anyone can throw on a crown and say they're a king but it, it is the groundwork that matters in fact tell me one other king ever that you could ever think of that actually comes from their own land because there's only there's always the king of Tennessee. There's the freaking, you know, King Corbin from Florida. You know what I mean? Like there's these guys where, uh, who else comes from a legit kingdom? I mean, obviously my kingdom is not legit and is also very dead now, but really yeah. I made my own place. I created my own, my own realm that you literally cannot get into. In fact, for the first year, year and some change, the biggest question I ever got was, Oh yeah, you're from your own place. Where's the, where is the edge? Yeah. Where is it on a map? And I would always tell people, I was like, oh, it's about if you're standing right here on this map, let's pretend we're standing right where we are, right? Go all the way around the world, and we're right back here. It's somewhere in between there. And, like, that's what I've always told people. So, like, and it's because it's never <laughs> – no one ever knew. And then we did, a, we did a promo of the true location of Behedja. And about a minute and a half in, I told everyone that the location of Behedja was with them all along. It was in their hearts. And it was the dumbest thing in the world, but that's like <laughs> shit like that. Like, yeah. so, but people, it, it got people going and questioning and I'm like, this is perfect. So. You gotta leave like clues, like a jewels. <laughs> <or something>. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, that's, that's that. Uh, I just, I would love to be, I want people to be like, yeah, that's King Leon. That's not just King number 486. Yeah, we definitely want to do a good start with that. I mean, that's a plus. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, uh, so, uh, so far in your career, what has been like your most? I wouldn't say favorite, but what what has been the best match you feel like you've had, as far as like, uh, phys- man, like physically, so work rate. Um, ooh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think there's two. Maybe three. Yeah, I think there's three. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say what three are. One is me versus uh, Kellen Thomas. Uh, actually, a guy who I brought to PPW multiple times, but never got a look, which is perfectly fine. He's a 15, 20 year vet, one of my best friends in the industry, and extremely underrated. That guy can go with literally anybody. He went with mm-hmm. freaking Ray Phoenix a couple months ago and, and tore it the hell up. Oh, nice. um, oh yeah, he's he's good. Um, <laughs> and then uh, me and him went a good 28 minutes uh, this past. Past December, it was a uh, Kingsmith uh, Christmas gift holiday. It was the weirdest match, but it was literally like if you heard ho ho ho, which it was already pre pre done. Everyone in the crowd brought their own gifts, and they would throw them into the ring, and uh, we'd use them, unwrap them, and use them on each other. And we had a, it was just a blast. We literally had so much fun. We had a lightsaber battle in between, like where the lights went red and the music started playing like it was just the craziest thing but it was so much fun and uh but our work rate while we started while we were wrestling was also intense so we were beating the crap out of each other um another one uh was me versus evander james at pwt uh up in maine uh, me and evander have incredible chemistry together uh oddly enough like you wouldn't think so like this big guy and this other guy who's from house of Lord, we have incredible chemistry 
and uh, me and him, and we killed it. We were the main event up there uh, for one of their shows, and we just we took it to another level. And uh, that actually, I believe, was my match that really made me realize I can bring it to another level, and uh, I have him to thank for that. But then my, my most recent favorite, which actually got me booked at a bigger company, I won't say which yet, um, <laughs> but was me versus Evander versus Joey Silver. We had a triple threat up in Maine, and we had such a good match. Like, everything was we, – we just clicked well. Me and those House of Glory guys all clicked so damn well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Joey Silver's another guy I'm looking at. Joey's amazing, especially the new Sweet Cheek stuff. That kid's going, That's, he's on to something. Oh. He's on to something. Mm-hmm. It's such a great promo. Yeah, he was, yeah he, that was the, actually the first match he did. It was that triple threat with me and Evander. Really? And, uh, um, dude, it was just money. It was money. So there was, uh, I, I, I'll actually, when this is all said and done, I will send you the video of the match. You can take a look for yourself. But I'll tell you, man, it started off so good. He comes out to that Sweet Cheek song. He's freaking shaking his ass around as freaking pieces of candy. <laughs> bowing down. It's like, dude, what the fuck is this? I'm like, what happened to Silver will shine? He's like, well, now it's Sweet Cheeks, baby. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, and, uh, but we're in the ring and it just starts off where he's like, you know, we have a little character moment before we start getting in, into the whole thing. And he's, he's in the middle of the ring, just swiveling his hips, you know, looking at the vendor. He's like, Evander, do you want some gooey, gooey candy? And he's like handing people candy. He's like so creepy. Oh <laughs> like, hilarious, too. And then he finally does it to me. I take the piece of candy, get that big, oh, and then I just freaking chopped him into oblivion in the game. In the game was on but man he is uh he's onto something he's himself in that in in, in that skin and it's amazing uh, so I, I i would say i will i will put my neck out to any promoter to put a chance on that man and watch him be if, if nothing else one of the best mid carters to work his way up to a freaking to a to a top of the card you will probably find that guy's so good and funny and just a good person oh i bet very oh, yeah those were the three <laughs> So, yeah, so those are the like the most physically like impressive to you. Yeah. At what point so far do you feel like your character has been most over? Probably around the uh, Disney time. Definitely, definitely the music videos. Uh, just because everyone was on my page, the traffic was there. Everyone knew what day to expect it. Um, I had more of a uh, a planned out thing, so you knew when to expect what. Um, I was a lot more heavy into the comedy. I just didn't care. I was just willing to show ass in every every direction. I have to say, though, while I'm here, it's not that I don't like comedy. I love comedy. It's my favorite freaking genre. I love doing comedy, even as the king. But I know that there has to come a time where I have to show people what I can do as well. And everyone knows I can do comedy. I've literally wrestled some of the best comedy wrestlers that I could possibly fucking wrestle. Right. But I also need to show people that I can get into the ring with someone, whether they think I can with someone like a Dan Moff or someone like a fucking or like a JT Dunn or someone like freaking Evander even then burn the damn house down. And yeah. people like, oh, holy shit, I didn't realize that. When and that's this, what I need to show people. When did the I'm a fucking king thing come about? Because <laughs> when I read I'm a fucking king and I see these like badass <laughs> black and white pictures, that presence feels like somebody who would be in the ring with a Dan Moff to me. That's what I want. I want people to know, like, dude, I'm a big boy, too. I can fuck people up, too. Like, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. Dan Moff will probably eat me alive for breakfast. But at the same time, but that that guy's just on, uh, on not another fucking plane. Oh, but um, 
But I will say, I don't know, the I'm a fucking king. I'm just, you know what, dude? I'm sick of people looking at me like I'm just a character. Like, I can work my fucking ass off when I want to. And I want people to know that. And that's when it just started. And I was like, you know what? If it shows, if it shows a little pomposity or shows them a little freaking, maybe a little egotistical in that sense, sure. Let them fucking believe that and let them try to prove me wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of what it comes down to. I understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I, when I read that and I, and I saw what you were doing, it took me, like, it almost took me back a little bit, but in a good way to where I'm like, I'm really excited to see what the hell you're going to do. A lot of people um, in in the in the uh, promoter sense have said said uh, something similar, or they're excited to see how this is going to go. Man, me too, because I hope to God I can make it work. I think I can. I'm like ninety percent sure it will, but <laughs> you never fucking know. People are like, <laughs> "Boo, don't like it. Go back to Funny King." <laughs> like, who knows? But I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping that that everyone that is seeing it and saying I think this is going to work. I think I'm interested to see. I really hope that it. Yeah. stands out the way I think it's going to. So we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you can do all those individually, but at some point, maybe you could encompass all those characteristics. That's mm. what I'm really hoping, man. I mean, I, I want to find, like, Kurt Angle is the perfect example of that. I've always wanted to be that kind of guy where it's like, yeah, I can go have fun and whatnot, but I can also wrestle you in the ring. And that's literally... All I can ask for is a freaking person. But I, my problem is, is that I am such a character that there is no gray area, in my opinion. I'm going to be polarizing in one way or another, which no one can. There's no no middle ground. Like, yeah. Tell me any time you've ever seen The Undertaker be a middle ground man. Either they loved him or hated him, which most of the time was a love. But right. that's what it was. Guys who are legitimate characters, that's how it turns out for them. Hell, you might not realize it, but Triple H even, it's not, you know, that's not freaking Paul Levesque. Triple H is a character, and he makes sure you feel one way or another about Batman and Triple H either way. And that's my issue is guys like Kurt Angle, who are their real selves, or like The Rock, even though he's a character, he is also clearly just The Rock. Stone Cold was Stone Cold. He was Steve Austin. Those guys have the ability to do both because no one's going to tell them that's not them. You know what I mean? So, like, that's, that's the thing. So, Kurt Angle was the perfect example of that because he's like, yeah, I had a broken freaking neck, blah, 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 blah. But he was a badass. I mean, the guy freaking had, literally had a broken neck and went and wrestled his goddamn <laughs> won a gold medal. And, you know, and, but he's still out there having from the little fucking cowboy hat singing on a damn guitar. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that I would love to be, but I couldn't be unless I was literally like Stephen Baker. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, that's the thing. With that, man, one of the questions I really want to ask you is how are Stephen Baker and King Leon similar and how are they different? Um, we're definitely similar in a lot of senses because King Leon really is just me. Um, don't get me wrong, dude. Like I am a humble man when even there are some people who just think like, Oh, Steve's a dick, blah blah blah. I'm just a polarizing dude, man. I have a big personality. I'm not scared to share my opinion and not even just to be a dick. I mean, I'll tell you if I just think, No, I don't really like your match. I didn't think it was that good and this is why. I'm not gonna say to her and be like, You're garbage. But I will tell you why. Things like, you know, rub people the wrong way. But when it comes to Steve and the King, like, we're both very outspoken people the king more than Steve because he can get away with it without hurting people's feelings because I'm not trying to, I'm just doing it as character. Right. But, um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't, I guess maybe deep down I have a freaking king complex. Maybe I'd love to have my own damn kingdom. I don't know. Yeah. But Would I mean, at the end of the day, of like an extension of yourself, I was speaking to, uh, Simon Gotch or Seth Lester. Yes. Um, and he was telling me how, 
he has this really cool philosophy that he does seminars on is that there are no constraints in, in wrestling. Like the kayfabe is kind of dead. So you can do whatever you want to do. Like even as a heel, like you shouldn't be pigeonholed into doing these things. But one of the things he said is like, you don't necessarily want to be the gimmick guy. The guy that you want to be is the guy who is, it's like honest self-expression, you know? Yes, The more absolutely. of you you put into your character, the more it's going to go over. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, like, that's that's the big thing about it, too, is, like, the king is me. Like, I don't think when I go out there. Like, when I have a microphone in my hand, that's Steve talking and just the king's voice. You know, obviously a little, a little over-exaggerated depending on the situation. But, I mean, if I'm talking, man, that's just me talking and just doing my damn thing as, you know, from the brain of Steve, not the brain of the king. But it's just there. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really hard line because especially, and I'll say that there were, there was a point where I rubbed people the wrong way because I got, you know, I got over very quickly. I did a lot of stuff that got me noticed very quickly. And I definitely had like a good two or three months of me being kind of a dick when it came to like big leaguing. And that's something I had to, I had to learn on my own. I had to learn that on my own. And I, I realized it. and I'm like, wow, I'm an asshole. So I freaking took a step back, realized that I need to eat a little slice of humble pie and chill the hell out. And obviously try to make right with, you know, people that I might've felt like I wronged or even just giving people the cold shoulder because I'm like, man, you don't matter, even though that's wrong to do. Um, but I mean, that could be part of the whole King thing. You know, that's maybe just an inside thing where it's like, well, I, I became King Leon for a fucking couple months. You know what I mean? Like that's just who I am. That's an extension of me, but I'm try- I have done pretty well. I like to believe in the last at least year and some change that I have brought it back to a, to an even level to say, all right, Steve, put King in your freaking back pocket and wait until you need him. You know what I mean? So, yeah. What are, what are your goals? Like moving forward, what are your goals and what, like, what do you want to accomplish? Um, I just want to do, I just want this to either, I mean, a goal that I want to accomplish, I definitely want to be signed. Everyone wants to be signed. But I think if I want to be signed by anybody, I want to be signed by either, I mean, I know these are the obvious freaking options, but either AEW or WWE for, for one reason and one reason only. And that's for well, two reasons, actually. One reason is AEW would allow me to be me completely, yes. I'd assume, which would be amazing. Yeah. WWE, however, would give me the stability of understanding and in a whole new philosophy because no matter how you look at it, as long as you have been in the WWE before, when you get out of the WWE, you're always a hot commodity. And everyone will always remember you were in the WWE and your worth is showing something else. My real goal is to find somewhere that I fit the mold. Not to mention, I have such a character-driven personality that I think I would thrive in WWE if they gave me a ball to run with. Yeah, I agree. So that's the kind of place I feel like I would thrive is because they're just like pure wrestling. Don't get me wrong, I can do it, but like we're we're talking those 7 to 9, maybe even 8 to 13 minute matches with like that beautiful character work sprinkled in between and getting yourself over in certain ways. That's my bread and butter. Or you give me my 25 minute indie shindy match and I'll go and fucking do it. So, uh, in, in the character aspect of King Leon, uh, do you have anything you want to talk about with that or like any goals that you're looking to reach with that once this whole pandemic thing's over? Um, my goal is to honestly, I want people to 
to see the eyes and see the, the crown and just know that it's me, regardless of where they are. If they're a wrestling fan, I want I want I want that to be a cult like following, as weird as that sounds. Like I know it's you know, I want I want to find that that middle ground of um of uh, early Bray Wyatt, let's say, um, mm. and get that going. You know, I want those people to like, I, I, I just, I don't know, man, I want, I want the people, I want the diehards to feel it. And I want the people who aren't diehards to understand why the diehards are there. And that's kind of something I'm going to try to find and figure out because that's going to be a very hard formula to find. But it's definitely something that is doable. I think I can speak for the maestro uh, and myself when it comes to high tension wrestling. I think as far as in this region, we want to offer you that platform to be that, that spectacle, you know, and have some of that creative freedom to, you know, collaborate with us on the stories and directions, because I believe in you a hundred percent. And I, I think we can take that audience, not only physically, but online as well. I think we're going to do a lot of interesting things that companies aren't currently doing or utilizing. And I, I think we're going to do something really special together. I think so too, man. I honestly do. I, I, I would have never said yes in the first place had I not thought that this was something that was going to benefit either of us. Um, whether it be professionally or just, you know, generally, um, I honestly believe that, when I've been given the right opportunities, I have shown to, I don't think I've ever, and not to say this in a like, pocky way, but I don't think I've ever let anyone down when they've asked me to do something for them when it comes to wrestling. Um, I always find a way and I always make sure that it works one way or another. Um, and I believe that, like you're saying, you know, you guys have a, you have this platform for me and uh, I couldn't appreciate it more because these are, these are things that, that's all I ask, man. Anyone who's listening that might be a promoter, even that are that's listening to this, all that I ask is for an opportunity and and fairness, and do not do not screw around with my character. That's literally all I ask. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying give me a damn belt. I'm just saying, if I am worth what you think I am worth, show me in your booking. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what I feel like is lost in a lot in a lot of promoters is that if there is a worth there. Tell me if there is not. Also, tell me because I need to know because these are important things for any any uh, performer to know. You know, absolutely. So, so when it comes to you, you, you said that you're not necessarily looking for belts. I I love to get different people's perspectives on this. What is the most important thing? Is it belts, or is it getting your character over, or is it showing out in a bagger match? What's What's the most important thing? I think the most important thing, honestly, is connecting with the fans. Uh, I don't think without the fans, I mean, this is a perfect time to explain using this. I mean, look at Raw and SmackDown. Without the fans, like, what do you have? No match. Yeah. That's it. You know, without without the fans, sure, you might be holding onto a belt, but who's going to care that you're holding that belt other than yourself? Um, and I know that sounds super cliche, like, oh, but the fans. No, really, the fans are the most important part of the goddamn experience. Uh, sometimes that has been lost on me because I'll just go out and try to pop myself or pop the boys. And But there have been other days where I'm like, no, I got to do this for the fans because that's what they would want. And most of the time, nine out of ten times, I've been correct on whenever I do it. But I think the fans are the most important. But you also got to remember, with those, with the fans comes the connection of the fans to the promoter and comes from the promoter to the, to the, to the performer. Because mm-hmm. if 
the fans are reacting as heavy as they are. Like you got to think, for instance, Daniel Bryan's a perfect example. That guy was on the hottest streak of his damn life, and they almost didn't pull the trigger on it because they didn't believe in it. And then look what happened. He got the belt, one of the biggest pops in WrestleMania ever. And it was because it was organic. It was real. If you see that in a crowd, sometimes you just have to, regardless of plans, pull the trigger. And that's why I think that having the fans are so important. Because no matter who you are, it could be me, it could be a band, or it could be freaking Joey Silver just going back to it. Had Joey Silver just gone out there and all of a sudden everyone is just behind Joey Silver the whole damn match, that's an audible in the ring to say, ref, go talk to the promoter right quick, figure it out, we're going to go on a triple down and uh, go tell him you need to change the finish. I'm not going to say that that happens all the time because it doesn't. But there are times where it's an obvious, like, this is wrong, this is, this is not right, this has to happen this way. Sometimes that does happen. and But, I mean, the fans bring that energy and they tell you what they want. And sometimes you just got to give them what they want. So, but they are the reason which I think is the most important part of a show because they can tell you whether or not you're going to survive there. Man, I, I honestly couldn't mm-hmm. explain that better myself. That was amazing. But uh, yeah, the fans, man, uh, I'm all about that life. Like, you know what? That's why like, this is going to be really hard doing the switch over because like I said, I'm going to try to keep the kayfabe alive and real and well with the black blade and just I'm not going to be friendly. Like I was with King Leo on the six. I got to be myself. And it sucks because I love going out and interacting with the fans. It's one of my favorite things to do. I'm just going to have to do it in a different way. I think people are still going to identify with it or at least want to be in its presence. For sure. For sure. So I think you're going to do well with it. Again, man, here's the fucking open. This couldn't have kind of, like, I mean, obviously, Game you coronavirus, how dare you screw me over specifically, but no, I mean, like, obviously this could not have come at a worse time for a lot of people with WrestleMania and this and that, so it's just like, man, like, this was supposed to be debuted already, I'll just leave it at that, so. Yeah, well, that was supposed to be debuted, I mean. Oh, yeah, in May as well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we were supposed to debut <laughs> our show, and yep. yeah, we're, we're all pushing things back, so. I know, I know. But the beauty of it, and, and I, Mark Adam Haggerty kind of like hit this on social media recently, is as much as we're all kind of down on our own losses, we're all in this together. We're all yeah. losing out yeah. together. So it's not like any of us are missing out. Now, we're all missing yeah, out. Yeah, there, there's, be, there's a beauty in, in tragedy and, and all this. So I guess it kind of works out in that sense. But. I mean, it obviously, you know, it just sucks because we, we all hate it. So, I mean, I guess as a unified one, you know, just I'm going to say, it, you know, fuck the coronavirus. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, my dude, I've enjoyed our time here. Maestro, do you have anything else for the King? No, I think this was all really, really great stuff. I mean, it just like, you know, just as, as somebody who's who's watched your promos and watched matches, like I could tell how dedicated you were to your to your character and to your craft but to like see the extent that you've gone to do that is just you know it's like another it's another level that um you know it's really like kudos to you man like that's that's a really awesome thank you thank you very much and and then and and, you know that you're doing it for doing it for the entertainment of the people because that's i mean as a as a just a straight-up wrestling fan myself like that's what it's about it's about the entertainment value you know, so the Absolutely. fact that you're, you're you're going to all those lengths to create your own world, to create this whole mythology behind the character, to evolve your character. I mean, you said you've been doing this three years, and the fact yes. that you've that you're already evolving your character, to me, just shows like the kind of dedication that you know fans like us 
one to believe in. So that was, you know, that's just a really awesome perspective that you, you know, you put out there for everybody to hear just how much you really are dedicated to this, you know? Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. That was really kind of you to say. Um, it's definitely been a ride uh, for three years. It feels like eight, but uh, I'll tell you, man, like it, I literally would want to do nothing else like in my life. If I, if I had a way to say this is going to be my job forever, it would be. So, so in, in, in kind of closing here, uh, do you have social media handles that you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah. So let me try to remember them because I just changed them recently uh, because of the whole black. You know what? While I'm on the phone, give me one second. Let me add to this. Let's find out, shall we, while we're talking? All right. So Twitter is at the Black Blade KL. Uh, Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, let's go, go real quick here. I'm garbage at this. I'm sorry, everybody. Is the Black Blade King Leon and uh, Twitter uh, and Facebook? I mean, just go to look up King Leon, the, uh, the Black Blade King Leon, and you'll find me. So that that's uh, that's what you got there. That's all I got. Those three: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Do you have uh, any merch or any any of that available? Or? Um, no, you just got to shoot me a message because uh, right now with the transition of going through new characters, there will be new merch soon. I will I will say that, but you're going to have to wait because God knows when we're all going to be seeing each other again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you do get anything up or whatever, we'll definitely uh, share that on our content pages for you. Awesome, absolutely. awesome. All right. Well, you know, guys, if you've liked what you've heard, if you know King Leon, Check out all of his content, all of his social media. Check out High Tension Wrestling Podcast Network, or as we're calling it now, the HTW Podcast Network, on YouTube and on wherever uh, podcasts are found. Uh, Check out High Tension Wrestling, High Tension HTW on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, even YouTube. We have two YouTubes. Yeah, or else. <laughs> yeah, or else. Uh, Maestro, is there anything you would like to say? Um, no, I mean, if, if anybody wants to follow, like, some extra, you know, like, companion content, sometimes I post some stuff. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, at Maestro A. Scott. You know, sometimes I give little previews of things, of, of projects we're working on and, and stuff we're doing. Um, so that's, that's my only thing other than just high tension HTW, be on the lookout for, um, you know, when, when we can figure out everything as far as our debut show. But right now we're looking to put out more content like this, which I think this was, um, I think this was an excellent way to kick off hitting the mat under the high tension wrestling banner. I mean, I think this was, I think this was awesome. Before we sign off here, actually, Maestro, could you give a description of some of our other content like hands that heal? Sure. Yeah. So we, um, in addition to hitting the mat, which we're, we're starting now, we also have um, Hands That Heal with Dr. Frank Romascavich. Um, he was a longtime doctor for the WWF and many other promotions. Um, so we have a multi-part series with him that's kind of like, um, you know, going through his collection of memorabilia and talking about all of the different experiences he's had with all the different talents that he's worked with from his entire career. Um, so we have, uh, I believe two episodes of that up currently, and we've got more on the way. So that's on the high tension wrestling podcast network, YouTube. You can check out the first two episodes 
on there and there will be uh, more to come all right guys that's the maestro i've been the kilowatt and thank you again for joining us the king leon absolutely also don't forget all hail to the house of black blade we'll leave it at that <laughs>